When I became a foster mom four years ago, I quickly realized there weren't many resources for foster or adoptive parents, much less for the millennial generation. That's where the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast comes in. Welcome to a no-frills look at the journey of foster parenting. It's millennial motherhood with real chats about all things foster care, from navigating home visits, court hearings, bio parents, and quote-unquote, getting to attach. Please join me every week for an honest conversation about foster care and adoption as a millennial mom. Welcome to the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. Welcome back to the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. My name is Brittany and I am a millennial foster and adoptive mom. My husband and I have had 10 kids in our home since we became licensed in 2016 and we have adopted three kids. We currently have four kids under seven in our house and our youngest is four. We have one foster placement right now, but if you'd like to hear more about our story and how we came to foster, please consider listening to episode one titled Our Foster Care Story. So this week's episode is one that I'm really, really excited about. I thought we could have a lighthearted episode about survival tips for the millennial foster and adoptive mom. A lot of these tips can be used by any mom, but this is a list that I've made up of hacks I've picked up over the years, and usually hacks that I've learned the hard way. Survival tip number one, always keep a charger or a wireless charger with you. You will get lots of phone calls and emails. And this is a way to ensure that you never miss an important call. Let's be real, case managers are sometimes difficult to get in touch with, and you don't want to accidentally miss a call due to a low battery. You also never know when you might need to stream an emergency episode of Peppa Pig on your phone. So best practice is to always make sure your phone is charged. Survival tip number two, always have a change of clothes for each child. You never know when an accident will occur. Trauma and triggers can cause your child to have an accident when you are least prepared. Because remember, trauma manifests itself in different ways from kid to kid. One thing I started doing was making sure I had a full outfit for each kid, including underwear and socks, in my van. This is something all moms should do. Trauma can cause kids to have a number of physical ailments, including stomach aches and anxiety. Plus, We all know kids are pretty messy as it is. You never know when they will accidentally squirt a full juice box all over themselves in the car. Survival tip number three, take advantage of foster parent support. This is going to look different depending on where you live, but your agency, whether it's private or a state agency, should have local resources for foster parent support. A lot of times, local churches will sponsor meal trains or babysitting. We have never been a part of a meal train, but I can imagine it is a big help. Never feel ashamed for accepting or even asking for help. During back to school, you can also find assistance with school supplies. Our CASA worker and our agency provide school supplies for foster placements. If we get a surplus of supplies for school, we keep them in a box in the basement because at some point during the school year, supplies need to be replaced or we save them for the following year. During the holidays, we are also provided with toys and clothes. A lot of times, so much is given to us, we have to put extra stuff away and pull out toys for birthdays, or if someone we know is in need, we pass it along to them. Please know I'm not mentioning this part to brag. I realize we are very blessed to even receive this, so I'm just sharing what we do in this situation. 
You are probably also already aware that your child receives some sort of stipend for clothing that is reimbursable to the foster parent. We try and take full advantage of this. Our clothing allowance for Carson resets twice a year, so I will go through his clothes and see what he needs and shop for specific items, but I will also buy a season ahead or size up. Not only is this helpful to make sure his clothes fit, but this is a good idea because if a child ends up being reunified, they can take all of their clothes with them. This could set them up to have clothes for up to a year or more if you have sized up or shopped based on seasons. To get the most bang for your buck, shop at the end of the season to score on sales and clearance items, but buy the size you think your child will be in a year from now. If you are currently fostering and money is tight, believe me, I've been there, I had a friend who opened a store card and put the clothing for her placement on it and then paid off the store card as soon as she was reimbursed. Survival tip number four. Utilize foster closets. Along with number three, you should check to see if your area has a foster closet. When we welcomed a 16-month-old and a 5-month-old for a 10-day respite stay a few years ago, we had nothing for babies except for one crib. The local foster closet provided us with everything, from an extra crib, burp cloths, a bouncer, a diaper bag, baby spoons and forks, and so much more. Foster closets are an amazing resource for foster parents. It's almost like going thrift shopping for your kids for free. We kept a lot of the items to use later on, but the crib we passed along to another foster parent in need. In the same thread, if we ever have extras of things, I typically will see if the local foster closet needs it first. If you have a family member or someone who can't foster but wants to support a foster family or even someone who has old baby or toddler stuff they no longer need, suggest they donate to the local foster closet. It is so much more helpful to foster families in the community and a much better way to donate besides dropping things off at Goodwill. Sometimes the help from a foster closet can decide if a foster parent is able to say yes to a placement or not. Survival tip number five, keep all of your receipts. From clothing to medications to copays to haircuts, keep all of your receipts. A lot of your expenses can be reimbursed, but a lot of them won't be, and your caseworker will tell you to use your child's per diem to cover the cost, and that's okay too. Each state and agency is different for what they will reimburse you for, but it never hurts to ask. I would get a pencil bag or an organizer to store receipts. Always write the date you submitted it, in your child's name or your family name at the top. If you are required to turn in original receipts, make sure you make a digital copy for your records just to be safe. Survival tip number six, never turn down free clothes, diapers, etc. You never know what size or gender your next placement will be. So keeping a stash of clothes might be helpful if your home is open for placements in a certain age range. You never know when you'll get a placement call and unlike a pregnancy, we don't get nine months to prepare. You will be lucky if you have a few hours notice. If we ever get to the point where we don't need a certain size clothes or diapers, we try and pass them on to someone else who can use them. I'm not suggesting take stuff out of greed, but as long as you think you might use it or even know someone who could use it, it's okay. Survival tip number seven, collect travel bags from Goodwill or yard sales. They don't have to be fancy, but they beat having your foster placement move their belongings in trash bags. Sometimes you don't have a ton of notice when a placement has to leave. We have been in the situation where you go to a court hearing and the child is reunified and you have an hour or two to pack up their entire life with you. Goodwill or a local thrift store is a great place to find duffel bags or suitcases. After a quick wipe down, usually they are as good as new. 
Together We Rise is an initiative to provide foster youth with duffel bags so they do not have to put their stuff in trash bags. You can find them at togetherwerise.org or on Instagram. It doesn't have to be a fancy bag, but anything beats a trash bag. Survival tip number eight, consolidate your family routines and establish family traditions. All children thrive with routine, but with foster and adoptive families, routines are imperative. Kids that have experienced trauma need structure and predictability. Our summer routine looks a lot different than our school year routine, especially since we've been home since March due to the pandemic. But I'll share some examples that we do as a family. So in the mornings, our kids play in their rooms until either my husband or myself come out to the kitchen. Our kids will eat breakfast, then they get dressed, brush their teeth and hair, and complete their morning chores if they have them. Every Saturday night, our family does movie night. We will make popcorn and watch a movie as a family without phones or devices. When schools were closed in March due to the pandemic, we had a hard time adjusting for the first two weeks before we nailed down a routine. But after we had our routine down, things worked so much better. In the morning, we would eat breakfast around 8, and then the kids would complete their morning routine. We would start school at 9 a.m., and my oldest would complete his work, usually finishing by 11. We would have an early lunch at 11, and then my youngest would go down for a nap. I would take an hour to myself to complete any household chores or things that needed to be done from 12 to 1, and then at 1, I would start the twins' schoolwork. Once they were finished, it was usually time for my youngest to get up, and we would work on schoolwork for her. And by 3, everyone was finished, and we can go outside for the two hours before I started dinner. This was our routine and worked well for our family. But like I've said before, you really have to do what works best for you and your kids. Our fall routine looks a little bit different, but I'll share that once we work out the kinks, since this school year is going to look different. Some things I know that won't change is our Sunday night routine. After dinner, the kids will have their nails trimmed, take a shower or a bath, and we prepare for the upcoming week by setting out our clothes and getting book bags ready. During the school year, our kids do not get their tablets during the week, so they know on Friday afternoons they have something to look forward to because they get to play on their Kindles when they get home. You really have to find what works best for you and your family, and once you find a routine or a schedule that helps your family function, keep at it. If we derail from our routines, it'll take us a day or so to bounce back. The other thing I wanted to mention is please reconsider surprising your kids. I know it sounds fun in theory, but for kids that have been through trauma, it can be super triggering and cause a lot of anxiety. For example, if we tell our kids to get their shoes on and get ready to go somewhere, even if it's somewhere fun, we have to tell them where we are going before we leave the driveway. We wanted to take them to Dairy Queen the other day for ice cream before dinner. Yeah, we tried to be the cool parents. And we were asked a million times before we even left the house where we were going. It dawned on me why they were asking. So we told them, and instead of being anxious on the way to Dairy Queen, they were super excited. The same goes for meals. We have to remember a lot of our kids struggled with food insecurity before they entered foster care. I used to think their incessant asking about meals was because they weren't listening to me and simply couldn't remember. And maybe sometimes it is, but a lot of times we have to remind ourselves of their pasts. I am asked about 14 times a day what we are having for our next meal. And if I've already announced it for the day, I'll ask them to ask a sibling for the reminder. Routines and predictability are so important, so find what works best for your family and your kids. Survival tip number nine, use technology. Pay extra for the convenience. It'll be a lifesaver. 
Most grocery stores do some form of grocery pickup or delivery these days. Sometimes there's a surcharge, but believe me, it's worth it. Delivery isn't offered in our area, but even using grocery pickup is a huge help. Helping yourself out by taking advantage of technology is going to make your life easier. With a pandemic, even more places are offering curbside pickup, so take advantage of the service. I even do mobile ordering at places like McDonald's. I don't know about you, but going through the drive-thru is so stressful to me. I use mobile ordering so I can make our order without four tiny voices in the back of my van distracting me or changing their mind about what they want and having to shove my debit card in a random place in my car while four bags and drinks are shoved at me through my window. I hope I'm not alone in this. Another piece of technology I've learned to use to my advantage is the delayed timer on my washer. I've never had one of these until we moved to this house three years ago, so it may or may not have taken me two years to discover the feature. Anyway, I'll get the load of laundry ready with softener and the detergent pod the night before, and then set the timer for it to start the wash cycle before we wake up. Then, by the time we wake up, it is done and we can transfer the clothes to the dryer easy peasy. This little button really makes me feel like I'm on top of things. <laughs> Another thing I do to remind myself of therapy calls, calls with the birth family, or virtual home visits is I set an alarm on my phone for five minutes before the call starts, and I'll set my alarms the night before just so they're already ready to go. Carson knows if he hears the alarm, he has five minutes, and sometimes even our other kids will say, you have five minutes till your call. Five minutes is enough time for a last-minute restroom break and to get our devices ready. Make technology work for you. Are there any technology hacks you use? I'd love to hear about them. Survival tip number 10. Figure out what you can do for self-care or to make yourself feel a little more human. It can be as little as an iced coffee once a week from your favorite coffee place. Foster care can be an emotionally draining and isolating path, so it is so important to take care of yourself. Make a list of three things that are realistic and that you can do for self-care. Self-care can be so much more than a bubble bath. One of my favorite things to do for myself takes place after the kids go to bed. I roll out my yoga mat in the living room, light an incense, and play a video from Yoga with Adrian on YouTube. It is free and it nurtures my mind and body and it doesn't hurt my wallet. Another thing I do is treating myself to an iced coffee whenever we do a grocery pickup order, since the coffee place is on the way. It makes me look forward to our weekly grocery trip, and it gives me energy to put all those groceries away. Your version of self-care needs to be tailored to you. Find something that will make you feel good. Survival tip number 11, establish a code word for you and your significant other. When you say this code word or give a certain look, you can tap out for a break. My husband can always tell when I'm feeling sensory overload. I am a major introvert, so he will tell me to go take a break in our room with the door closed. It really helps me to reset and decompress for a few minutes. If you are a single parent, find a way to carve out your reset time, whether that means having a sitter lined up or calling on Netflix to entertain your kids for just a few minutes so you can take a moment to breathe. Survival tip number 12. Make your bedroom a haven. If you can, try not to let the kids invade your space. I know this is easier said than done. I try to keep our room relatively decluttered and functional. We have a room spray and a diffuser we only use in our space. Invest in your bed and get a mattress and bedding that makes sleep restful and comforting. Making our bedroom a haven in a room that brings joy has been really helpful so we can have a space we can decompress at the end of the day. 
Survival tip number 13. Have all of your important numbers saved in your phones, preferably under favorites. If you have an Apple iPhone, there is a way under your phone settings to set calls from numbers not saved in your phone to do not disturb, and they go straight to voicemail. This goes back to you will get a lot of calls. <laughs> Don't feel guilty about screening your calls. It'll help save your sanity. However, if you are expecting a call and use this feature, make sure that you have the number saved in your phone so you don't miss it. Survival tip number 14. Look for discounts for being a foster family. Your agency will probably have programs or events where you can get discounts for being a foster family. Just ask. This goes back to taking advantage of the resources available for foster families. As a foster parent, you'll have to complete a set amount of training hours each year. We have to complete 15 hours. There are a ton of online training opportunities, especially now with COVID-19, and sometimes these can cost money. More often than not, you can complete a training for free as a foster parent, or you might even be reimbursed for the upfront cost. It never hurts to ask. Survival tip number 15. Download a photo app to put stickers over your kids' faces. You'll want to post pictures. Photify is my favorite since you can edit all parts of the picture in the app, including adding stickers. Which app do you use for your kiddos? All right, it's time for my Rose and Thorn part of the episode. If you are tuning in today for the first time, Rose and Thorn is a time to discuss a high and low from the week. I like to start with the thorn so we end on a good note. So my thorn for this week is that it's my last week of summer before I go back to work. And while I'm beyond excited to start my first official year of teaching in a public school, I'm also anxious because of COVID and all of the changes to make school as safe as possible. But I'm really going to miss all of our extra family time. My rose for this week is reading. One of my favorite things to do is to stay up late reading a really good book. I'm recording every book I read this year, and somehow I am already on book number 29. I'm currently reading The Perfect Girl by Jilly McMillan. Gilly McMillan. If you have any book suggestions or want to share your favorite book with me, please send them my way. That is going to wrap up this episode of the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast. The Millennial Foster Mom Podcast can be found on almost any podcast listening app. If you listen through Apple Podcasts, I would so appreciate if you would leave a positive review. I'm up to six reviews so far, and with more reviews and downloads, the podcast will show up in more searches and can reach more foster and adoptive moms. If you could please leave a review or a rating, I would really appreciate it. The Millennial Foster Mom Podcast is created using an app called Anchor. I hope this episode gave you some ideas on how to not only survive, but thrive as a foster mom. If you would like to add to anything I've mentioned today, please feel free to reach out and I'll share it with the listeners. If you would like to connect, you can find me on the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast Instagram page, or you can email me at the Millennial Foster Mom Podcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. And remember, motherhood is hard no matter how you get there, but together we've got this mamas. Talk to you next week.